What's up, former party people? This is Jerry, you know, the one who actually combs his hair on the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Now, if you're finding value in listening to the AIFA podcast every week and you want to support sharing it with others, we invite you to become a sustaining monthly or per show contributor. Go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. It's super easy and it only takes a quick moment. It's about as easy as buying one of those pre-cooked space chickens from the grocery store, taking it outside, giving it a big old kiss, and kicking it into traffic. (laughs) Why would you do that? Anyway, you do you, and I'll do me. Again, go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. And with that, people, let's start the show. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. I got to take that real quick hit off the vape while we're counting. Yes, in our first first, uh, incarnation of this show, Jerry would vape throughout the uh, episode. And somebody, some random anonymous person was like, what's going on? Is he fucking smoking a crack pipe? And I'm like, that's so much crack in an hour. That's a lot of crack. I don't know how much is too much crack. Well, I mean, that's, any that's crack Judith Gristle levels of crack. Yes, yes. Um, welcome to A's for Alcoholic. <laughs> we are more of or the- Judith. I didn't mean that. Judith. What did you say, Judas? Judith. Judith. I was just ins- insinuating you should smoking tons of crack, which she might have been. Anyway, she might have done some. So she did enough to write a book. We yes, we um we're gonna talk today about a book that um, I found pretty fascinating, despite all of the, uh, it's called Never Enough by Judith Grissel or Grissel. I'm not sure how she pronounces it. Um, but I I found it interesting, even despite some of the more technical terms. Mm-hmm. Um, was it was it dry for you, Jerry, without, fuck without any ghosts? Yeah, it, <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. It was, a, it was <clears throat> informative, like reading the manual for a new TV. Mm. In that I was excited about the manual for the, I was excited about the new TV, but the manual was dry as fuck, but it was still informative. Like I got something out of it. And the whole time I was listening to it, I was like, fucking John. And I know you were probably at your house waiting for me to text you. And I never did. Cause I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to fucking tough this bitch out because there's no ghosts. There's no gunfights. I'm going to find one. It was still good though. It was still, Mm -hmm. it was informative in the sense that I was relaying information back to my dad and my sister. And then my brother-in-law, my sister have a book club, right? And Mm -hmm. they all are like, they all meet up at a bar for their book club and their book club involves drinking. Like if you do something wrong, it's like a penalty. Everybody takes a shot or whatever. And you know, it's like a fun drinking thing. And my sister's like, maybe I'll recommend this book for the book club. And my brother-in-law's like, Danny's like, fuck that, dude. Like, you're going to make the whole room sad and you're going to make us read like an instruction manual. And I'm like, it literally is like an instruction manual. Not only that, it's fascinating though. It will, it will definitely, I feel like, and we're not going to go through the book, obviously, you know, um, bit by bit. This is just sort of our review on it. I mean, um, I really, I really enjoyed it. And yes, it was informative. Um, But I mean, I think things like this, you know, there's the, the saying, AA will ruin your drinking. So you hear yes. people who like who quit, go into the program and then relapse. And yeah. the moment that they pick back up or that when they're drinking the entire time, they're like, this is all fucked because AA ruined my drinking for it's me. It's like you opened up the door, walked through it and saw <laughs> the good shit. And then you had to leave, but you left the door cracked. Mm-hmm. So you could see all the good shit. Um, I feel like if you were, re- if you read this book, it would just maybe give you pause to pick up a drink again i don't know i mean maybe because once you figure out what it does to you neurologically mm -hmm. she doesn't get into the physiological aspect of it she just gets into what it does how it affects the hormones in your brain and shit so right you're like this is fucking my brain up now she doesn't say it outright but there are some allusions to aa that i think i think she's in the program because probably you little one day at a time and things like that that she makes allusions about higher powers and right. there's just a couple of things in there, but um, keep coming back, Judith, it works. <laughs> but you know, this was something that um, when I had, when I quit smoking that I really started to think about my brain. Right. And, um, and the addiction 
And so that's when I started researching how my brain works around cigarette addiction. Mm -hmm. And that's what helped me quit for me. It was, and I, Walter would say this to me, he would go, yeah, man, you know, it's like when I need a cigarette, when the nicotine is like a little worm that eats is eating a hole in my brain. And the only way to make it stop is to smoke a cigarette. Yeah. And I was that like, sounds Jesus. like a Walter thing, no, but that's very <laughs> clear though. It, so I can, I can really relate. As so I it, was, it was an epiphany walking out of the, uh, the resort that I worked at one night late and I was walking toward my car, toward the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And I was, God, I just want a cigarette. And I was trying to quit. And I don't remember if I smoked or not, but I could just see that worm. And I was like, what the fuck is that thing doing? Mm-hmm. And the thing that occurred to me was that the, the cigarette doesn't calm my nerves, right? It only calms the, the anxiety caused by the addiction to the nicotine. Right. It has nothing right. to do with any external, anything outside of that addiction, outside of the things that the nicotine has already done to my body. And I'm not, I mean- I know that you vape and it's, this is not like toward you or anything, but it was just, I'm going to keep vaping. (laughs) Okay, perfect. That's uh, so it was, that was the beginning of me going, Oh, okay. So that's how this thing works. Mm -hmm. Then I can at least take a step toward fixing it. Or at least I, if I can understand the excruciating craving, then I can work my way through it. Um, so she goes into it. She obviously has earned her place as an addict by her story in the beginning. It just gives her, yes, because she, it, it just gives this all more credence than if it were a neurologist who had never experienced addiction. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between, I think, experiencing intoxication and addiction. You know, obviously there is, but to be able to write from it as a standpoint of, I have been in hardcore active addiction. And I was very fascinated by what is happening in my brain. The thing, the main thing this book taught me was the word homeostasis. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which I never knew what it fucking meant. And I did not pay attention in high school because I'm me. Fascinating. And I was, mm-hmm. yes. So I told my sister why I learned what homeostasis meant. And she just laughed at me because my sister has degrees in like, you know, in, in um, anthropology and forensics mm-hmm. and studied osteology and stuff. So she's like, you didn't know what that means. Like, I'm fucking stupid. And I'm like, I'm kind of stupid when it comes to that shit. Like, I don't pick it up. So for me to realize that homeostasis means returning to a level point, which is what we're all doing in active addiction is, is pretty fucking fascinating. That's fascinating mm-hmm. to realize that at this point, what she's basically saying is, we are no longer using the substance to get high. We are just trying to return to homeostasis, right? Because for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, right? right? So every high is going to have a crash. Every opposite of what the high is. Mm -hmm. That is the exact opposite. So Mm -hmm. the higher you get, the lower the crash, Mm -hmm. the more cocaine you do, the, the worse it feels sitting at the Viking with a, glass of rumplemints and a Heineken at 10 o'clock right. the next morning. Yeah, or I dude. should say more like 4 p.m. because we didn't go to bed until 11 o'clock. Dude, morning, I did one whatever. dry like out on the ranch here in Arizona after a wedding, just the driest hangover, no booze in the house, just riding out that cocaine fucking alcohol hangover. It was, dude, I was walked out in the desert and let the coyotes take me. I was like, fuck this. I'm done with life. My mom's like, are you all right? You see real heavy. I'm like, I'm so hungover. I just... You know what? Don't even say my, just let my name die. Like I'm done. I don't, you know, I know, I know Yes, Mm -hmm. the dry hangover, but, but this, this was fascinating to me, right? This idea of homeostasis. And, and I know those of you listening who know what this is, you're like, you guys didn't figure this out already, but no, we did um, not. (laughs) I kind of, we talk about finding balance all the time, but this is more, this seems more severe, right? So and mm-hmm. your, your brain is like, we're going to have to bring you down. Whereas the opposite is also true. In mm-hmm. severe moments of pain, your brain will actually create things like um, analgesics, right? It'll, right. it'll create pain, uh, pain relievers. Or there's like, you know, moments of like shock or, you know, when somebody goes into, you know, hypothermia or right. mm-hmm. fucking the, you cut your arm off like you won't feel all that pain because it's not in your body's best interest so it'll sh- shoot the whatever as much uh dopamine pain reliever dopamine no no yeah. dopamine is reward drug i know right. what you mean though the pain reliever Serotonin is called an endorphin sleep but an um, endorphin is the pain reliever right. so mm-hmm. so all those things um 
So finding that homeostasis. And so you're like, okay, if I go out and I drink a 12 pack of beer and a bottle of whiskey, I'm going to feel like shit tomorrow because that's just my brain trying to return itself. There's no, right. mm-hmm. and I think I said this while I was reading this, I said this to you a week or two ago, something about fine. There's no free lunches. And she brings that up a lot. A lot. A yeah. Times. It's always the check being due and no free lunches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just finished it yesterday. Mm-hmm. So it should be fresh, but it is and isn't because she covers everything. She covers everything, right? And the chapter for alcohol is only like, I don't know why I put my hands up, but it's an hour long. So to me, this is an hour. It's, right. about, it's about, you know, 18 inches. So um, she has some interesting thoughts. I, I uh, not interesting thoughts, but she has, you know, she covers like the marrow, her covering marijuana was very interesting to me as well. But I like the term she uses for alcohol as a pharmacological sledgehammer. Yes. You know, the way so, alcohol interacts with the brain. Yes. And I didn't realize this. It's unique in that, as opposed to all the other drugs she talks about, the opiates, mm-hmm. the stimulants, all that stuff, in that it affects so many different parts of our brain. Right. Right. That and marijuana. Yeah. Marijuana and alcohol both affect more than one part, one, one part of your brain. Mm-hmm. She's well, I've kind of have crib notes. You probably have notes too, but she says it um it affects endorphins and dopamine, and it is a really tiny molecule, so it acts all over the entire brain and all these different pathways. <clears throat> um, the way that the the my favorite metaphor she said here is alcohol is so small and wily, its actions are hard to pin down. Yeah, it's easy to imagine that there are many more places to park a skateboard than an airplane. Right, and so like mm-hmm. it just goes everywhere. So it's yeah. it's it's um. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously I, I know that on some level because I've felt its effects. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like shit or I feel great in this way. I'm uninhibited. I black out. I feel maybe I feel stronger, more powerful, more aggressive, all these things. Um, but to think of it that way, whereas cocaine goes right to this one little spot. Right. And it, it, it's the limbic, the limbic system. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's correct, but mesolimbic. Mesolimbic. So what f- also is very interesting is the way that she classifies, not classifies, but explains that different types of personalities are affected by these different types of substances and that alcohol users tend to have anxiety disorders. Mm-hmm. That what alcohol does in the beginning is it affects your anxiety where it alleviates the anxiety, but then with misuse and over time, it it uh, amplifies the anxiety and the same with uh, the hangovers just oh. wildly amplify the anxiety. And I just thought it was so funny because a lot of the drunks I know have anxiety disorders. They may not be, um, uh, you know, uh, diagnosed with the anxiety disorders, but just by being around them, they are more, pro- I can tell, you know, my, my friends and my people that are close to me that still drink or used to drink, like you included, have some issues with that feeling of anxiety that, and I think everyone does, but I believe that some alcoholics tend to have it. So it's funny. You say that I was, I was coming home. I went for a little run yesterday and I was Mm -hmm. coming home and one of my neighbors around the corner was out doing some stuff in his garage and he's in the same program. Yeah. And so I stopped to talk with him and we talked a little bit about the last year and all this stuff. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm getting ready for retirement. And he had a couple of inflatable kayaks that him and his wife were going to go take a big old trip and all this Rad. stuff. And, but he was like, yeah, man, it's just anxiety. My anxiety is out through the roof, through the roof all, this whole year. And we had a big, long conversation. Yeah. He's like, do you ever feel that way? And I said, and I guess sometimes I like to minimize things. And, uh-huh. and I said, well, you know, I, I think everybody's felt a little bit of anxiety. I've never been diagnosed, but yeah. And mm-hmm. I definitely do when I think about the, you know, the constant overthinking and freaking out about stuff that doesn't exist. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that's what anxiety is, is going, oh no, I'm going to die from coronavirus. But that's not, mm-hmm. that's not abnormal for the last year. But I was thinking these things, I was having constant anxiety when I was drinking all the time. Yeah. I, mean, I still have it. They make fun mm-hmm. of me for my anxiety. I don't have anxiety mm-hmm. attacks anymore, but mm-hmm. I definitely am an anxious person. I have a lot of anxiety. I definitely pre-plan for things that aren't happening emotionally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, philosophically. Do you ever... Um, I prepare for the worst constantly, constantly. So I do this on a very minute scale sometimes. Now, again, 
our experiences are different with, I go and I see people in public more than you mm-hmm. do. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that's, which probably, is also part of my anxiety, right? That's why I'm not out there. <laughs> right. I guess, I guess I have to constantly face it, but sometimes there are things that people, for example, coworkers have said in the past and just either it's just some shitty remark or something like that. And so I'm, I'm oftentimes trying to be ready for the next shitty remark. Yeah. Like, conflict so i'm Mm -hmm. i'm i'm creating conflict that's not going to exist that oftentimes doesn't exist where i'm like that motherfucker's gonna say that thing that he did that one time what a smug asshole yeah what am i gonna say should i just call him out or should i ignore it like what's the what's the right way to go about it and so i have this whole conversation about what's better for me what's good for me what's healthy do i need to fucking put him in his place is that really going to be helpful in the middle of a dinner rush that's absolutely anxiety, dude. That's like overthinking anxiety, though. This so shirt, I, that all the time. I gotta tell you, though, okay. I gotta let the viewers know. I gotta so cut the shit, you, cut the shit shirt on. And it's want, just, I, I'm doing, sorry, if you want to buy the shirt, tell them where to go. It's just, I'll put it in the show notes. The link is in the show notes. But here's the thing about this shirt is I'm on Zoom. So everybody on Zoom just tends to look at themselves the whole time. Mm-hmm. And all I can see is this one strap just getting like, mm-hmm. I just, I feel like a, I don't know, man. I feel like Hans and Franz. Did you did you wash you it up. yet? Wash I it. Washed, yeah, I washed it because it they, it smells like the ink when you get it. Mm-hmm. Don't even well, worry about me. I just was noticing my one strap folded up, and I just felt like I was just like, "Yo, dude, come <laughs> hither." Yeah, nobody it's can see that. Some, Don't worry. You, you got some see flash that, dance right. energy there, dude. Some, you know. Um, yeah, what a feeling, dude. <laughs> I work at a fucking. I'm a welder at a steel mill. And then at night, I like get all wet. Roll I, around. I believe it. Um. So so. Anxiety so never enough. Anxiety and never enough. So I just thought that it was very interesting that the inverse the alcohol withdrawal is rooted in anxiety, right? Uh-huh. Well, is. not just rooted in anxiety. The anxiety would be one of the symptoms of it, the massive symptoms of it. There's so much in this 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 thing for a seven hour listen. How many pages is it? Three hundred or so. 200 and so 200 so so for like a seven hour listen it was really rich there was a lot mm-hmm. going on i mean mm-hmm. there's she packed a lot of information into this book i think it was a great book if you're curious about the neurological aspect of addiction she doesn't touch on the societal aspect too much or the social aspect very much other than her own story which i'm i love that she started off with her own story because it made me relate to her immediately Right. I wasn't like, oh, you're just some dry lady that's going to be telling me some dry shit for the next seven hours. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I really appreciated that. And I also love that she goes into the genetic aspect of addiction at the end, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. So one thing. So let's let's talk about genetics and and that it is. There are dispositions but there's no specific gene for addiction mm-hmm. correct that there there are many we have I, I think she says something about we have far less genes than a potato yes <laughs> so we're less complicated than a potato and it's like yeah. God damn mm-hmm. um but there's the other part of the genetics was the epigenetics Yes, right. So this is what I refer to as um, generational trauma, which I know mm-hmm. is not the correct reference. And I think I got it from that show Watchmen on HBO. Okay. The term, just so, just to be transparent here. <laughs> yes. No, it's a real term. Um, oh, is it? Oh, okay. yeah. Generational trauma. But that's epigenetics, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. So it's just, there's a name for it. I didn't realize there was a scientific name for it. It's just. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it, Johnny? Roll it out so, for the people out there. So the way that I understand it is that generational, meaning the way that my the way that my parents raised me and the way that their parents raised them and so mm-hmm. on and so on and so forth gets passed down in the DNA. It's right. on top of it. Epa means on top. Right. So it's not just I, you know. I beat my kid, so my kid beats his kid, so his kid beats his kid. I mean, that's that's learned. That's behavior. more social. Those that's more social. That that's, is, yeah. But in and those actions, yeah, there are um, there are things that are passed down in the DNA, which mm-hmm. is fascinating to me. It's like that shit gets into you, and so yeah. it becomes a part of you, and so 
I have to make a conscious choice to not do that to somebody else. It doesn't have right. to just be like my kid, but that's how DNA obviously is, is passed down. Right. So, right. So she's saying that they had found generationally people who had suffered famines, they would find markers in their children's DNA that would, that would show an adaptation to having a lack of food. So then she would say that, you know what I mean? And so, or people who had been through like a really traumatic event, like a war mm -hmm. or something, they'd find markers in their DNA that gave them a predisposition to substance abuse, which they would pass down to their children. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I also love the idea of DNA not being, being a factor in, in substance abuse and alcoholism and addiction as well as how much DNA you share with the, um, the, the addict in your family could be i don't know if it's you know absolute sorry there's a gnat absolutely a determinant but it could be a determinant on it most you know, certainly severity of your, mm -hmm. your your condition yeah sure absolutely i mean and that that's basically and she says this a couple of times there's no smoking gun right there's no and there's and so therefore there's no magic bullet Right. right. There is so, a, because it's so many things, dude. It's mm -hmm. like multi-layered, right? So I would get in these arguments with this asshole I worked with that I bring up all the time. He's an asshole. And so I'd get in these fucking arguments because he would say addiction, alcoholism aren't a disease. It's a choice. And I'd say, mm -hmm. no, it, first of all, it is literally a disease because it's listed in the DSM. So mm -hmm. psychologically, it's listed as a substance abuse disorder. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking like if we're being literal here, literally in the DSM listed as disease a and B how could you not think it's not a neurological or a mental a mental a disease of the mind whereas you have a hundred people drink and only a portion of them show a proclivity to become an addict you know what I mean it's not yeah the act of drinking in of itself in the beginning is a choice right yes like the I make one. the choice to have that first drink and honestly I think no, I make the choice at the first drink and then the second drink is really up to the the neurological and societal and learned aspect of my brain, right? Because it's nature mm -hmm. and nurture. It's it's weird. It's like one of these things that's like it reminds you of like what makes a serial killer. Do you know what I'm saying? It's mental disorder, head trauma, family problems, mm -hmm. all that shit, right? So what makes an addict? What makes an alcoholic? Is it something you learn from your family? Well, then what are these outlier, these cases that aren't outliers where the people grow up in families where there's no addicts or there's no addictive behavior going on around them? Yeah. So I just, I to this day, I honestly believe it's, in my heart, I believe it's not only a physiological disease, but it's a it's a mental illness you know mm -hmm. yes yeah, it's a form of mental illness that requires right a lot of diligence it's, come on man it's like oh i love booze so much that i'm just gonna feel like shit 90 90 of the time and then 10 percent of the time i'm gonna have a great fucking time do you know right. what i mean like or just homeo at this point reaching homeostasis you know yeah that pocket the pocket you and i talk about you know mm -hmm. i prefer um, the pocket which is only this much of your time. And then the rest of your time is pursuing the pocket or dealing with the aftermath and getting <clears> in that pocket, you know, which is hell, which was so much hell. It was so, it, it was, it was real shitty. It sucked, but that 10% was fucking a lot of fun. Awesome. It was yeah, a lot of fun. But it was, I mean, you know, I, I get on you sometimes about this too. Like Coda does like, I'm like, it wasn't all hell, but honestly, I'm looking at like that much going, this part wasn't hell, but all this part was really hard. You know, maybe that much was hell. I'm doing a lot of visual shit for this. I podcast. would say, well, <laughs> yeah. um, please, uh, please like, share, and subscribe on YouTube. Yeah, well, um, follow us. <laughs> get to see the whole so, show. So get here's to see the, the gun thing. show, dude. Here's the thing I would say about the pocket versus the rest <laughs> of it. Right? Uh -huh. Is when we talk about it not being all bad, the th right. most of the times. Now we were pretty close in our 20s, in our 30s. Um, all of us, we're, we've been close friends for a long time. So we've shared a lot of the bad times, but the majority of the time that we shared was in the pocket, right? It was the good stuff. It was the fun stuff. Those yeah. are the shared memories. Now there was mm -hmm. a lot of fucking hangovers. There was a lot of mornings waking up. We lived together in multiple different places and incarnations and all this stuff. So there was a lot of hangovers that were shared. There were a lot of bad things. There were a lot of fights, drunken fights, right? So I know that most of the time that I was in pain, I kept to myself. Right. So, so for your perception of it, Me. do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is, I think where 
sometimes I push back on you a little bit because I'm thinking of my perception of it and it was hard. It was very hard. And there were mm -hmm. aspects of it that were absolutely 100% beyond demoralizing, you mm -hmm. know, where I had just lost all my fucking, just all my dignity as a person. There were moments in my alcoholism where I had no dignity at all as a person, but it, for me, do you know what I'm saying? Like my rock bottom was, was a rocky bottom and it wasn't any rockier than anybody else's. But for me, I, I, it's hard for me personally to say the entire thing was fucking hell. No. Do you know what I mean? Or like my entire onus was going out to find booze because my entire onus wasn't going out to find booze. I wanted a buzz. I needed a buzz, but I just, there was no onus to go out and find booze because it just was found. Mm. It just was what I did. So, <clears throat> you know, so for me, I wasn't, I don't classify as I was drinking fucking Sterno on the streets of Skid Row. <laughs> right. Do you know, but somebody else was, and they did that for me, you mm -hmm. know, for me to learn so I could see that. So I guess it's just a matter of perception in our language. We're using what we speak to each other, you know? I sought out, I created an entire career as a high You absolutely did. Just I so I could be around your friend group so I could be around it, you know? So I can see where you're coming from <laughs> because I've been there. I just, mm -hmm. um, Maybe I just, I'm so far removed from it sometimes because it feels like it's really back behind. When I talk about my, uh, on this podcast, I talk about this. It's the only time I really talk about it. Mm -hmm. Very, I, uh, I mean, right. I can talk to my mom and dad about it, but they know they've been through it. I could talk to my wife about it, but she lived it with me, you know, in a different way. I don't want to talk about that shit anymore. Well, no, <laughs> well. because it wasn't all trauma to her. That's the thing. She was like, it was hard when it was hard, Jerry, but when you were fun, you were super fun, but you were right. at the end, you just weren't fun anymore. You just were super sad. But yeah. I mean, there are parts she doesn't want to talk about, but the, the entire thing wasn't the part she didn't want to talk about or right. think about, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just feel like it's really far in my rearview mirror, but it's close enough that I can still reach back and grab those memories as a cautionary thing, as mm -hmm. my seatbelt, my way to stay sober. But I also know that like, yo, dude, that was like six fucking years ago. You know what I mean? Like to me, that's a whole lifetime. So much has changed in my life in six years, you know, six months, I got an 11 year old. Did yeah, I say six I months? I would know oh. you said six, you said six years, but I'm saying so much has changed in six months. Yes, absolutely. So for me, looking back on it, that dude is like, that's a rerun. Like I've already seen that, done that, lived that. And so for me, I, it's cautionary though. So it's just our perception on it, I guess. I, Because I, I, I still respect your opinion and I still love where you're coming from. And I still see that you see it as a certain way and I see it as a different way for myself. Because for just, you, because I wasn't there in your room alone with you, dealing with what you dealt with alone behind your door. Like I wasn't there, dude. So I don't know. So I'm going to tell you, oh, yes, exactly. There was, when I lived on, I think I lived on 65th street. It was that, it was that house where, um, Nickerson or the, the no, one, by the, not Nickerson, the one, the one where, um, the where, haunted one, <laughs> was it the haunted one? The one where my friend, uh, our friend, the Reveille, the Reveille. The Reveille. No, this is oh. the one where our, our, our redheaded friend stole and drank the last of my, uh, homemade absinthe and then set the phone book on fire on my, right. Okay. Door. That apartment. Yeah. With toe cutter. Yeah. Yeah. With toe cutter. Yes. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I remember one night, one weekend, cause we would go out and I would, I would drink all week cause I would drink every single night, but then we go yeah. real fucking hard whenever I could get together with my friends and yeah, me and Coda, know, me bam, and Megan bam, would come bam. up. Yeah. Let's do this. Me, Walter, Coda. <sighs> And there was one day where I was just laying in bed and I was just shaking like for hours I was shaking and I was like, I could drink some water and I don't think there was any booze. And I just remember ordering like $70 worth of Chinese food mm -hmm. and laying in bed and watching on my old like MacBook. I was watching that, that Robert De Niro movie Stardust where it's like some sci-fi bullshit. Oh yeah. Know. Wow. It was I'm like 2007. Yeah. No, I'm trying to watch this. I watched that hungover too though. <laughs> right i don't know if that yeah. was a thing and i'm like this is so terrible everything about and i'm trying to eat chinese food in a styrofoam yeah. box in my yeah. bed because i can't get out of bed and i'm like this is fucking awful but it never yeah. occurred to me to say i should probably try something else because right I go to work the next day i was like i'll, I'll be fine i just got to get through this and then i can drink tomorrow yeah absolutely and you get so, to watch stardust so, again <laughs> so i don't remember anything about that movie except the fucking hangover so it's and just, that's that's like that but that's your hell that's your yes. moment of pain yeah mine yeah. i've had to talk i mean i talked about mine earlier one to walk out of the desert and get eaten by the coyotes because i did a bunch of blow at a wedding you know uh -huh. um 
<laughs> yeah, dude. I, I had one of those days in Seattle with always sunny in Philadelphia with like or a just, level 10 migraine. And you had showed me that always sunny in Philadelphia episode where they were trying to figure out who pooped the bed. God, and, yes. uh, I went on a run with it, but it was like this, just like 18 hour migraine. I had just tried not mm-hmm. to laugh, but it, it was hard. It was, it was really hard. So, so I get it. So, and, and Judith here gets it too. <laughs> um, she, she said one quote, the opposite of addiction I have learned is not sobriety, but choice. And you talk yeah. about having a choice and mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I had a choice then. That's great. See, that's it. It is choice. Yeah, you're right. And it's, it's a great, that's a great analogy for what you went through. Cause you did have no choice. And this all loops back again to like this argument I'd have with this person about addiction being a disease, because once I'm in the throes of the action that I'm addicted to, I have mm-hmm. no choice anymore. Yeah. I, but choice is all out the window. The choice yeah. is to turn on the light. You know what I mean? To flip the switch. That's mm-hmm. my choice. But my choice is compelled by my addiction. See, it's like a it's like a total fucking beep, like a little figure eight. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it really is. It's like you you make the choice to drink, but the reason why you're drinking is because you have no choice but to drink. You can't and you must, right? Like that book, The Outsider, that Stephen King wrote. I don't know if you ever read it. I don't I didn't read The Outsider. It deals with this addict in the book, and the addict has the word can't on one hand and must tattooed on the other hand. And he says, Because I can't drink, but when I do drink, I must drink. You know, and so I always love that. I was like the idea of these two, these two uh what are those words, contractions or whatever, but just the idea of you 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 must what it's just the idea of you must you have mm-hmm. to like you're compelled you are emotionally psychologically neurologically compelled like yes. once so there's no choice there's no choice in the hand y'all mm-hmm. you can always choose and you pick up that first drink i'm like motherfucker no because i'm dealing with the fallout from the last 20 and so i gotta pick up this first one to deal with the last 20 until the one day where i decide i gotta ride this shit out and hopefully i don't die in withdrawal do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like Mm-hmm. because we did make a choice at one point to stop. And every morning we wake up, we make that choice to not drink again. And sometimes it's consciously and sometimes it's unconsciously. Yeah, every t- exactly. I'll have those days where I'll go through and I won't think about it at all. At all. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. And yeah. I even it's, and the, the those are lovely moments, but when I don't you notice it when you notice when I you notice think it. About yeah. it. And I'm at like, the oh, end of the wow, day, you're great. like, I'm grown up. I'm a big boy now. Yeah, I'm a big I, boy. And I feel like those are much better moments. And, and the moments that I have now in homeostasis and keeping it on an even keel, I, f- I find I have much, I have better happiness. I have better joy. I'm not, I'm not like trying, I'm not chasing bliss because bliss goes straight up and then it obviously it has to come right straight back down. down. Nah, right? fuck that chasing um, bliss shit. And here's one. I'm chasing homeostasis. <laughs> I can do any drug I want as long as I don't really want to do it. And that's the thing is like, I want to do all the drugs. I want, yeah. I don't yeah. want to, um, you know, I, I if I don't really want to do it, because then I'll just want more and more the, and more and more. This book is a trip with the drugs, right? With the drug, mm-hmm. with the drugs and such. But um, because I can only really relate to the alcohol part, but I can relate to the addiction in every single chapter. I can mm-hmm. relate to the obsessive compulsive aspect of it but like i didn't fuck with heroin i fucked with coke minorly very minor i didn't fuck with hallucinogenics i didn't i'm still skeptical about hallucinogenics but i think it's because the people i meet who use hallucinogenics is that how you say it or hallucinogens or whatever mm-hmm. people i meet who use those things tend you the to wrong a- way no, they tend to abuse them. In my personal experience, they tend to abuse them and then tell me that they're using it um, medicinally, uh, not, not medicinally, right? Or therapeutically. But I'm like, yo, therapeutically would mean you'd be using it with someone else who, do you know what I mean? Some type of guide or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not eating a fucking eighth of mushrooms and sitting in your apartment, not smoking DMT out of a light bulb and sitting in your back porch by yourself. Like that, that's, that's a whole other thing. But to me, using, if you're mentally stable, using hallucinogens as a form of meditation to me is like just basically trying to fucking hammer in a nail with a sledgehammer. You know what I mean? There's no finesse mm-hmm. and you're not learning how to meditate. You're just learning how to take the elevator to the top without mm-hmm. doing the work. Right. But I also know that, you know, people have used NDMA with, with 
psychological guidance. You know what I mean? Have used these things and made huge breakthroughs in their depression. So I don't write it off. I just have a difficult time accepting it sometimes because the guy usually telling me, Jerry, you should take mushrooms is fucking eating way too many fucking mushrooms. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I'm not going to take your word for it. Like me eating an eighth of mushrooms and crying and feeling like I relapsed is not going to help me with my alcoholism, dude. Like it's not. I me doing the hard work on myself is going to help. Mm-hmm. I sometimes me. have those little voices that come up and are like, maybe you could have an amazing breakthrough if you just did some ayahuasca. Right. I'm like that's not. <laughs> right. But then you have dudes like then- Mishka who do it and it's fine for him. But Mishka's not in my personal life. I, I've talked to right. Mishka five sentences and right. I know it's where whatever it is, it's working for him. He's like a real human being. He's like one of the realest people I know in recovery, as far as like the way he expresses himself on social right. media and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that works for him. Right. But it's just, for me, it just, I'm like, listen, I, I see it's merits, but then there's also merits in opiates too. And those can be abused. Those are majorly abused in this mm-hmm. country, but yeah. there's a merit in opiate. If you lose your arm, you know what sure. I mean? Like, yeah, please yeah. give me some fucking morphine, you know? And, you know, and then there's the other voice that goes, what if we did all the ayahuasca and never came Boom. back, John? And that's the fucking thing, right? <laughs> and she even says it in the book, and I know it's an old recovery cliche, but she says, if there's a pill to cure recovery, I would take two a day every single fucking day. Mm-hmm. Like if they told me to take one, I'd take as many as I could. And I always laugh at that because that's absolutely just the attitude I have with things in my life now that don't get me high. Like these fucking tons of diet Pepsis because they taste good, you know, and drinking like four or five in a day and then looking back and being like, God damn, you went on a fucking Coke Zero bender, Jerry. I think <laughs> as long as you feel like, good and you're healthy, I mean, then fucking do it if it doesn't. Exactly. That's and fine. it's And it's manageable. Mm-hmm. Right. So you if know, you want to smoke ayahuasca, that's great. But don't sit down and tell me I need to smoke ayahuasca. You don't smoke ayahuasca. Don't sit down and tell me I need to smoke DMT to get my head right because that's like a vegan fucking tripping on you for doing whatever. You, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like, I know you're a vegan, but do you know what I'm saying? It's like this commentary on what I should be doing. Like, I'm not telling you what you should be doing. I like that you seesaw vegan. Well, just I just, John, I right? Wanna, you enjoy yeah, it. I mean, well, because enjoy a good knish. <laughs> I, 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 I enjoy <laughs> eggs. I still, I still fuck mm-hmm. with eggs. I would get the just egg or whatever it is, but it's like $12 for like a half a pint of fucking fake egg. And I'm not interested in spending that money. I did have some cod the other day because the doctor said I need more protein. And I was like, damn, this is really fucking good. So yeah, protein will help you out a lot. Mostly and, eggs aren't meat, but... dude. Eggs are just chicken seeds. You're all right, dude. You just chicken plant an seeds. egg in the ground. You get chicken. <clears throat> Don't worry about it, baby. Right. I wouldn't want to push anything on anybody. Um, and that's I, the thing. When, yeah, that's... when people ask me, when people have reached out to me on uh, social media, which is where we do most of our fucking interactions these days. Yeah. Um, in the middle of the pandemic, um, I always offer, I say, well, whatever works for you, this, I try to preface it with, this is what worked for me. Right. And we're just and, talking about what works for us collectively. Yeah. And, you and some I. days it doesn't work at all. And I have mm-hmm. to fucking grit through it. Yeah. Right. Dude, so yes. even I have these days where I'm like, the program's not working. I feel like shit. Well, you know, one option is have a drink. The other one is just bite my fucking, you know, bite my tongue. Bite my grit my teeth and just go like all I gotta do is get through the next eight hours and go to sleep and then I can forget about this day. But all you gotta I'm do, fine. dude, is cut the shit, dude. Cut the shit. Cut so, the shit, dude. You gotta, the other side? You gotta do the fucking work, Johnny. Just that's what you tell yourself. I know, I know you say it to yourself every morning, cut the shit, Johnny, do the work. I know you want to drink a fucking casca almond tiato today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um somebody was asking me, we were somebody brought up whiskey and something about old crow, and I said, Man. I remember Woo, I was in sponsored by that shit, dude. When you were you just started you just started tattooing and I was like, dude, I want to get the old crow logo tattooed on me. <laughs> yeah. Could, could what I were they know? asking you about old crow? Just did you ever drink it? Something like that. I should have owned the fucking company, dude, before I found fucking Jim <laughs> Big Beam. plastic jugs. Oh um, yeah, dude. I even but, listened to Old Crow Medicine Show. Mm-hmm. Because I had Old Crow in the name. And Literally. Did you like them. Did you I like would, them? Eh, yeah. I mean, I like Wagon Wheel, but everybody mm-hmm. like apparently that's a huge like fraternity bro bra jock mm-hmm. song in the South. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very mm-hmm. pretty song. Yeah. I used that's to sing it to Dylan, my daughter. Right? I think so. Originally? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I fucked with old crow. Oh man, I fucked with old crow. But I just can't believe I, what I if dated I old get crow. a fucking liquor tattoo. I mean, no offense to anybody who has one if that's what you're proud of. But I like- almost did too, dude. I almost got the John Powers three swallows. And then I almost got a whiskey jug, right? With three X's on it. And mm-hmm. I was going to get problem solved tattooed around it, right? And then I thought about it again recently and thinking about getting the old hillbilly whiskey jug. But instead of saying problem solved, it just says problem. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I still want to kind of do that, you know. That always makes me laugh. But as far as like, yeah, all, John and I, John more than me drank everything. Yes. I drank mostly bourbon, but I would drink anything you gave me as long as it wasn't beer. If you were out of bourbon, it's too slow, bro. If you were anyway. out of bourbon, you would be like, okay, well, whatever. Let's make this work. Let's make this rose work. wine. Look, yeah. One vodka five, mixed one, with rose. Vodka, one five rose. one. I, I would mix gross mm. shit together just so I could make it happen. Like there was a um, I saw something on TikTok where they were making Corona sunrises, with basically just putting grenadine and like orange juice in a Corona. Yeah, like come on, that's that's kid shit. Just dude. that's baby shit. Who I ta- used to put like pear vodka into cider and drink it like that. Yeah, just whatever. <laughs> we used to fucking put vodka into fucking those stupid um, ah oh, that that clear uh Zima. Mm-hmm. So you're just mixing malt liquor and vodka because mm-hmm. the Zima was like spicy Sprite. And then you put vodka in it and then you would like pee your pants. Fucking doing club. great, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we talk about, I want to read this. I want to get your, <laughs> I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, this is from a chapter uh, on opiates called paying the piper, but she, she talks about as a result of time, a dose that initially worked well will hardly produce any effect at all. In order yeah. to realize the same experience, you have to take more. Of course, if you increase your dose, then the adaptation will, will be even greater to meet the bigger challenge. This means that you'll have to take more again. Thus, the romance is no longer hot when your lover is present. But when your lover is absent, your body and mind are overcome with suffering, mm-hmm. all as a result of the nervous system's profound adaptation. And the part I have highlighted is naturally this leads to craving because anything is better than the excruciating desolation of abstinence. Yes. In the moment of active addiction. So you want my, mm-hmm. in the moment of active addiction, that is not even an option, right? Right. There's, but there's... the idea of it's, it, it like loops around to the title. It's never enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was what her, her rock bottom was. That was her moment of clarity when her friend looked over and they had a bunch of Coke and he was like, man, I don't think there's ever enough Coke for both of us. And she was like, fuck, he's right. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. and it even goes back to that old adage with the NA people where they say, you know, one's too much and a thousand's never enough. I always love that. And so building up not only physical tolerance, but a psychological tolerance, mm-hmm. right? You're building up a neurological tolerance. Your physical body's not building up any tolerance at all. Your liver's like, what the fuck are you doing? Your yeah. kidneys are like, yo, I'm with your liver. Like knock that shit off, you mm-hmm. know? And your brain is just like, that stupid fucking meat in your head is like, give me more, 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 give me more. We got to get more, you know, there has to be more in here. Because you are literally stronger. Yeah. You are changing the chemistry of of your brain. Mm -hmm. So every once in a while I'll make a virgin Michelada, right? Which will just be lime LaCroix with Clamato and then I'll salt the rim and put lime in it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'll drink them every once in a while. But the problem is, and I think I've said this before in this podcast, I don't drink one. I drink like five really fucking fast. Like I'll drink like two of them in an hour. Exactly. And I wake up all swollen like a fucking sausage because there's this, there's this trigger in my brain that clicks and goes, this has booze in it. Get as much as you can into your body. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I would buy like three tall boys and drink those in like hour Mm -hmm. maybe with Clamato, just pour them in a Clamato in a giant mug like this big and fucking pound the thing. It's almost like the salt helped me drink beer because I hated beer so much, but Maybe hour and 10 minutes, you know, do three, three fucking tall boys of Pabst or whatever, mm-hmm. because yeah. my brain was like, this has lower alcohol content. So you need to get it in there as fast as possible. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's that mm-hmm. adaptation and it's still there after, you know, six five, years. seven, six years, you know, it's still there. It's still It'll in be there. seven years this year, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. They were drinking micheladas here yesterday because we made a bunch of cocktail like Camarón, which is Mexican shrimp cocktail. And the base is Michelada is, um, Clamato and ketchup, right? That's the base mm-hmm. of this shrimp. And they're delicious. Like when you come visit me, you eat shellfish, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you come visit me, we'll get you one. You've had Mexican shrimp cocktail though, right? You absolutely mm-hmm. have. 
You've, yes. you've been my friend for years. I yes, hate it. we've done it. We've done it. At least right once here. I'm talking shit to you. I'll get you a shrimp coliche <laughs> yeah, though. And you won't know down. what happens. So anyway, get your ass down here. We'll get you some food, make you gain some weight. But, um, they were making them yesterday and I, I, I wasn't craving them or anything. I was just like thinking about that. I was like, maybe I should make myself one. Cause I've got some like lemon LaCroix. And I was like, no nah, man. Cause you're going to drink like four and wake up all bloated tomorrow and salty because your brain is like, come on, let's go. Let's go, buddy. So mm-hmm. that's why I don't fuck with NA beer either. Right. Ooh, that adaptation, dude. Well, I mean, I just, I feel like if I was, if I had a predisposition toward this at birth. Right. And then you add the epigenetics of, <clears throat> you know, what is it? Uh, generational trauma, if not mm-hmm. ancestral, right? Like who the fuck knows how far back it goes? I don't fucking exactly. know. Mm-hmm. How long of a lineage of abuse do I have? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I there's there's no, I mean, I guess I could find out. You could but, come from a long line of town drunks, John. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> it's, and it's probably true. Maybe. So you, and and um, put that on top of everything I went through as a kid and in mm-hmm. high school, and then and then all of the drinking early on so from mm-hmm. like six, 16 17 on mm-hmm. um of course my brain is going to be i think permanently changed in my perspective toward alcohol absolutely i don't think i hear people talk about having a wet brain which i mean i, I think they mean that there's permanent brain damage it's brain damage from drinking yeah mm-hmm. i don't know that i have that i don't think that i do but how how would i know I don't know. I've not been tested. If I could have- be fogginess from old age too, though. Dude. Exactly, we are hit, we right? are becoming men of a certain age, according to Tim Allen. Right. Well, was that show. was that a Ray Romano TV show? No, it was Tim Allen, and and then they brought in. Uh, I don't know. I'm not looking it up. But- oh, and uh, Andre Brower was in that show. It was on TNT. That's what it was. Yeah, men of a certain age, and they're like, <laughs> man, my prostate, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I, I occasionally my back hurts a little bit more, and uh, I forget things once in a while. We hit our forties, and everything but... starts falling off. It's all right, right dude. Mm, even the Mona Lisa's falling apart. It's right? like our, you know, I was thinking while you're talking. It's like almost like there's this mixture in my brain of like it's a mutant ability and a souffle, right? Like my my mutant ability is that I fucking black out and then do it again, over and over again, and don't ever stop. But also, it, like the way you describe it, you're like this perfect alcoholic souffle where you have genetics and then genetic trauma. And then emotional trauma, you know, and it's really hard mm-hmm. to make a souffle, right? You put it in the oven, you got to let it rise. And someone slams the door hard and that motherfucker falls. It just whoosh, caves in on right. itself. And so you are like, you and I, I and all of us probably listen to just the perfect mixture of everything to make us just this beautiful alcoholic souffle cake full of fucking Grand Marnier and shit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just like, yeah. Because yeah. context is important too. She talks Absolutely. about this in the book mm-hmm. and that we, not only does it does it show up or does it already pre-exist for some people, myself included, but then we begin to create our reality so that the context is always there for a drink. Right, dude. Yeah, you're absolutely right. right. So it's already there, right? Maybe it's an alcoholic father. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Then I learn where the reinforcement, the quote unquote positive reinforcement, you know, what I what feels good. And then I go and I seek that out. And then I spend, you know, 13 years tending bar just so that I can have my hands on a bottle of liquor. Right. I still have like muscle memory for picking up bottles. I'm sure I could go right back to it if I, if I needed to, or wanted right. to, mm-hmm. um, if I found myself, <clears throat> whatever. But um, so all these things, boom, perfect souffle. Mm-hmm. It don't fall. It well, it fall. does fall eventually. But... Eventually, yes, eventually yeah. it does fall, it and then you have to spectacularly. You have to go scrub you know? out that ramekin with all uh-huh. the fucking burnt egg on uh-huh. it. You know what I mean? But it's just that perfect mixture that just raises. It's just all every factor in it, and everybody has different. Just like souffles, all different types. We all have different ingredients that make us all rise into the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of the beautiful <clears> thing of. Rec- that's the one of the most beautiful things to recovery is the ability for all of us to be able to relate to each other at least one fucking thing. Mm-hmm. You can sit across from me in your stupid ass Trump 2024 shirt, and I could be like, you fucking dick. But I also know that you, just like me, are willing to fucking step over our mother to get a drink when the time was right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I know that. I know we both have been there. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have empathy for you. You should just change your stupid shirt. But other than that, you know what I mean? Like right. I do have this empathy and I, and I, I would hate to illustrate that as like 
the the worst thing in the world but that's the thing i disagree with most at this point other than like horrible shit you know what i mean socially that's the one thing i really have an issue with but i'm still willing to sit down not even willing i i fucking love you for being another drunk because you know my shit like we know Mm -hmm. each other's shit Mm. you can be a total fucking dick and say some wild shit and i'm like but i know you though dude because i've looked at you in the mirror bro I've I've had Sunday morning conversations with people I barely know, and I'm like, "How yeah. you doing?" They're like, "Well, I I think uh, I went we went to the judge, and I'm gonna be able to see my kids again." <laughs> right, like, and that shit like know? touches your heart a little bit yeah, though, because you're yeah. like, "Damn, damn, you were a piece <clears throat> of shit, but now you don't want to be a piece of shit anymore." Just like I was a <clears throat> piece of shit, and I don't want to be a piece of shit anymore. Mm-hmm. So we got that in common too. So it's double. Well, and I don't want to be shitty anymore, and I used to be really shitty. So because I was compelled. It was I my was fault, and, but it also wasn't my fault. It was my, it was, it wasn't my fault. That's the thing. I think when people think that alcoholism is, they say it's a choice. It's a, like, you're not being responsible for it. Mm-hmm. You're taking the responsibility and hefting it onto this, this, this mental health thing and this predisposition. And, and I can agree and not agree. Right. Because you are responsible for your mental illness. Like it's not your fault that you're mentally ill, but you're absolutely responsible to take care of your own mental illness. That's on you. Like you're born with it. Sorry. This is just how it is now, you know? Mm-hmm. It, but I also don't want to put the responsibility of my actions on the fact that I'm an alcoholic. I don't want to be like, yeah, I was really shitty to you because I'm a drunk. No, I was shitty to you because I was drunk, but also I was a shitty person. I need to own that and not be shitty to you anymore. You know, I said the word shit so many times in this podcast. You so did. Long. I want to go. I want to give you one more quote. Too hot for and- TV, Johnny. Too hot for TV. <laughs> um, I'll read you the the passage and then the highlighted part. So uh, the focal point for astronomy was Earth, thought with certainty to be the center of everything until Copernicus. Since then, we've realized not only that the Earth is a mere speck in the cosmos, Mm -hmm. but that there is no center, only a beginning in the cosmic explosion that is still unfolding under and around our feet. In short, now is the time for us to recognize, highlighted, that our brains are not the source of who we are or the path to who we might become. This is where I think she's she's in a little AA spirituality thing. Spirituality thing, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, because it's true. And at least for me, I have found when we talk about consciousness, right? I've said this before. I try to imagine it up here. I'm up here and I'm kind of watching myself like, like right. a video mm-hmm. game, right? You right, know? we've talked about this, yeah. Cause I'm back so, here. Remember I was telling you, I'm back here. Mm-hmm. You're up here. Anyway. I'm up here. So yeah. we just have different, I just hit the little, the, the pad on the controller to right. change yeah. the perspective. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, huh? Yeah, exactly. So there's this consciousness and I go, okay, my brain is doing this and it helps me to like, if I'm, if I'm thinking a thought, who's listening to that thought, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, so this this thing is listening to that thought. And then do I have to listen to that thought? Do I have to give in to it? Should I remove it? Should I, how should I think about the thought? You know, again, there's an overthinking. But mm-hmm. the fact that the, sor- uh, the source of who we are or the path to who we might become is not in our brains. And it's, it's a bigger, deeper thing that is, it's a lot to process. And that's a lot to explain here with you. Um, I hope that it's bigger. I mean, it, I maybe it's not. Maybe we're just simple, stupid people who less than a potato, and we're just trying to. Oh yeah, we absolutely buy. are. If we just tend to think about how stupid we are, that's the mm-hmm. unique thing. Is as far mm-hmm. as we know so far, a potato doesn't think about itself. Mm-hmm. It might though. We just maybe on a different level than we can even perceive, right? I right. Mean, woo! Get philosophical about the higher power so you think that was her alluding to some type of conscious soul consciousness higher power kind of thing yeah i think so i think that there's you know and she makes a few other illusions mm-hmm. um and even if she's not in the program it's it's fine it's a it's an i thought an excellent book if you're right. interested in the i don't want to say dry but yes there are parts that are dry Dry is the wrong word it was just fucking boring jargon. and interesting at the same time mm-hmm. that was my problem is it was boring and interesting she would start to get me with this GABA hydroxine 9 receptor that gets flooded <laughs> through the fucking Erie Canal or some shit. And I'm like, well, starting to drift off and getting mad at you. And then she says something interesting. And she's piqued my interest again. I'm like, fucking mm-hmm. jaw. I'm like, yeah. chef's kiss. This is good. Mm-hmm. But also, and yeah. Back and forth. Um, because every time I was tempted to text you and be mad about this book, she would say something interesting immediately. And I'm like, you fucking genius, Judith. What the fuck, Judith? Yeah. Um, and then I have it written back here. Um, 
Recovery is a process of expansion, not restriction. Damn. Let's, that's fucking fabulous, actually. And that's one of her quotes, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I wrote it on the whiteboard. So I wouldn't. So I, I think and it I'm is expansion. It We're not trying to sell to you people here. It's mm-hmm. just our, my experience is that, that's, uh, that, that definitely sums up my experience. Well, in expands that, everything. Restriction doesn't work. Prohibition doesn't no. work. No. It has to be a choice. Mm hmm. I can't go around going, I'm not allowed to drink. No, which I used to do in the beginning and it made my made me miserable. Right. Maybe absolutely miserable. And so um I, I'm trying to find that too with with food, right? So it's about changing the perspective of how I look at all this shit. I but that you gotta just apply this shit to that. I want to expand my life. I'm not looking to restrict it. And it's mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I can drink but I know the results that will come from me drinking one drink. So I'm, I don't want those results. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have other things that I'm working on. I have other results that I want. Yes. So I have to make the choice to say, no, thank you so that I can move toward the expansion rather than back into the fucking hole. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was the, that was my favorite quote. I think is that recovery is a, is a process of expansion, not restriction. Right. And, and like it's like you're planting that seed, dude. Planting mm-hmm. that that bird seed, the chicken and, seed, plant it with your dick. Just what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. <dude. laughs> I have no idea. I don't know why that came out like that. But it <laughs> is it's like you're <laughs> you plant a seed. But you're you're planting a seed, you're expanding, you know. That's a horrible analogy for it, but I really think like abstinence from alcohol is not restricting uh, technically you're you have the choice but you have a choice yeah it's you have the choice can... right now yeah you, there will be consequences for your choices mm-hmm. there will be results that do not jibe with your current trajectory that you're mm-hmm. focused on mm-hmm. right yeah but you have the choice and if it works for you fan-fucking-tastic yeah I think I can I can speak for Jerry and myself on this one in that abstinence from alcohol is the choice that both of us have to make. At least daily abstinence is working for me. Do you know but what I mean? Boom, daily, look at you. Daily abstinence. Yeah. That's Maybe somewhere down me. the road, but just for today. Maybe somewhere down the road, I'm like, you know, I really feel like fucking all my shit up. Let's go. Let's go, get, let's go down to Circle K and get some cactus coolers or whatever they're making now. <laughs> they have like seltzers here with cactus in it, I guess. I don't know. Oh, wow. Really? What's cactus? What's a cactus called again? The um, Nepal. Nepal. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, Nepal coolers. Uh, I so I make. It's called ranch water. That's what it's. my brother-in-law <laughs> works for a beer distribution company, so he brings home different seltzers. Mm-hmm. And they were drinking one the other night called cactus ranch coolers. water. No, it wasn't a cactus cooler. It's called ranch water, but it was enhanced with like cucumber and Nepal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all that is this like drinking dirt and roots, huh? Mm-hmm. Roots in it, like throw a little malt liquor on top of some dirt and roots, and let's go. I was making uh, I was making coffees for the kitchen, and Diego yeah. works in the kitchen, and he and I talk, and we've gone we've gone running before. Um, back when you could go running with people, we'll probably uh-huh. do it again soon. <clears throat> but um, so I'll make him a coffee, and I make them special for the guys in the kitchen. So I get a little of uh, like vanilla flavoring, and I put mm-hmm. cinnamon in it and stuff like that. You're and a nice guy. To, yeah, so nice. yeah. I mean, That's how I make coffee it, for my wife. Yeah, yeah. So, and he asked me. He says, "Man, you ever been to Mexico?" And I said, no, I said, I've been to Nogales. He's like, really? And so he kind of knew where Nogales was. And, and um, I said, yeah, I was down there with my buddy Jerry for his wedding. And I said, I wanted to go to Mexico. He's like, I'm not fucking taking you. It's really like, apparently at that point, there was some serious shit going down there. And it was just, yeah, it was was dark and kind of depressing. And and there was just some, there was some violence going on. And you're Mm -hmm. just like, I'm not fucking, I'm not going over there. I'm not taking you there. And, you know, he kind of said, yeah, that, that sounds about right. But, but then he started calling him. He's like, dude, those Nogales shooters you made us were great. Those coffees. Uh So that's what he just called them. The Nogales shooters. Yeah. Apropos. Which is just a, now is just a Michelob Light Ultra and a shot Mm -hmm. of a, that's what everybody's drinking down here now. Apparently I'm like learning booze stuff without giving a shit about booze stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I have shooter. to sit through wine Mich- tastings all the time. Michelob Ultra and a fucking shot of uh, Buchanan Scotch. Ew. Ew oh, and ew. All of yeah. it, buddy. All of it. My Nogales shooter is like two eggs with some salsa on it. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting some, <clears throat> some <poop>. um, 
So I, I think <laughs> I would highly suggest this book to yeah, anybody who's interested. For me, understanding how my brain works around addiction helps me to helps me to curb the feelings and the cravings and to give to give to have a better picture of it. Then I don't feel like it's this amorphous blob that's come to take over my brain. Yeah. I can go, oh, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. It's happening now. Let's 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 focus on something else. Um, so go get, well, I mean, you can do what you want, but do what I you suggest. want. I you know what I give it a good rating too. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, it gave me a lot of insight into how my brain is stupid. <laughs> but I'm also a genius. I'm also a genius. You are but I, I enjoyed it. I really did. I also found it really boring at the same time. I don't know. It's definitely like an acquired thing. Like it's very informative and really uh, technical, but there's so many aspects to it that keep you, if, if you're a casual mm-hmm. listener, it'll keep you pulled in. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It'll keep you engaged. That's the problem. Once things get really technical, I tend to get disengaged if I'm not familiar with it. Right. You know, I'm like, what? Yeah, well, and it's so, easy because I'm like, what Mesolympic? What? Huh? Slow down. Let me go back, right. and now I got to look. That and you up. were reading it. That's the yeah. difference. I was listening to it, and she reads it herself, mm-hmm. and, and her way of speaking is very. It was very lulling. Mm-hmm. She has a very calm, not monotone, but you know, actually, she reads really monotone, and her voice is really soft. And I like start getting lulled into like this civilian drowsy. And then she would be like, and then I bought crack from a one armed <laughs> fucking Dominican dude. And I'm like, oh, word. Yeah. Um, I So I read it and then I listened to it as well. <clears throat> and then I listened to it at 1.3 speed. So it was oh, did that help? Book. It did. I mean, for me, since I was already somewhat familiar. I don't with like it, speeding but, them up because it sounds silly to me. Well, 1.2 or 1.3 is not too bad if mm-hmm. you're if you're trying to get through something, if there's a deadline. Good but, to know. I'm going to do that next time. Um. You recommend one of these fucking books. <laughs> no fucking ghosts. No cartel drug I'm, wars. What the I'm fuck, gonna, man? We'll do one. We'll do one. I think I, I think that might that might have to be next. We'll do something mm-hmm. with a little more action. Yeah. A little less conversation, a little more action. Right. Elvis Presley speaking of opiate addiction. Yeah. What are you um, doing? First of all, I know you're going to get into this part, but the end part, but what are you doing in your car? Why are you lip singing along to fucking... Um, is that set and fucking walking in Memphis or something? I was like, why are you lips that you're not even, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I was just fucking around. I was driving to work. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll go oh, on Spotify uh-huh. and I'll find like nineties greatest hits or one hit wonders or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't even listen to the whole song. I just like to kind of laugh to myself. Right. So it'll be like, um, what was that song? Breakfast at Tiff- Tiffany's yes. or like, better than Ezra mm-hmm. uh, or any of these like really just corny ass, like overly dramatic nineties one hit wonders. You were like fe- feeling it though. You were singing it with Combrio, dude. Combrio. <laughs> like you were like, is, it just means like with, with fucking emphasis, <clears throat> but you were like in your car and you weren't even using the TikTok track. You were just lip it along to the radio. So I was mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is happening here? That's, I, I was just my fucking around. Was so, like, what are you doing? So I'll just shuffle it, and like sometimes it'll be trash. And I was like, I'm just gonna record one real quick here, yeah, because I'm 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 just bored because that's what I do now. I, if you all listen, you guys should follow John on TikTok. It's like the strangest fucking thing in the world to me. Because I know him really well, and it's like push-ups, lip syncs, like really weird, creepy, pervert jokes that are like dad jokes, but they just come off kind of weird, like mm-hmm. to me personally, mm-hmm. like. Not everybody else. Everybody else is probably like that, John. He's like the he's like friendly. He, you're like, hey, I'm your recovery dad, you know. Right. But you've got Whereas this, I see you've him, got this like, fucking 20 years of baggage. You're like, I knew you when you were gross as fuck. I mean, what do you mean this <laughs> tissue has a little boogie in it, you gross motherfucker? What are you talking about? Um No, I'm not getting in your van. <laughs> but uh it's I I find it I love you expressing yourself though. Well, <laughs> here's <laughs> it's just it's just i'm just entertaining myself i just get fucking bored and i think that's what a lot of people have over Mm -hmm. this last year and so it's like why not just throw something out there and see what sticks i have no idea it's better than me dude i sit in my garage paint and build resentments so you know that's how i pass the time so piece by piece brick by brick and nail by nail brick yeah that blow up on people and i don't even know it Mm -hmm. well try to let some of that go today jerry 
I'm going to, dude. It's just your brain. It's just my brain on drugs, according mm-hmm. to Judith Gristle. Right. She talks about that too. What a bullshit uh, analogy that is. All that, all that shit was bullshit. We could do a whole podcast on that shit. And just say no. Um, all right. I think right, that's man. the end. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Go. Thanks for watching. Um, if you want a shirt, show notes, cut the shit, do the work. Get a shirt. Um, cut the shirt. shit, do the work, get, get the shirt. Then you okay. too can be like, I call you know what I call it the gun club? Because if you fuck with me, I'm going to sell these to you illegally in the parking lot. <laughs> and then I point it to my arms. <laughs> there you go. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.